0: We're going to continue studying about the subject of bitterness. We talked this morning about being careful of bitterness and how that bitterness poisons us and how that bitterness affects our relationship with other people and the peace that we have and how that it causes us to contaminate other people and how that being a bitter person is is a miserable way to live, not only yourself but for those that are around you. And this afternoon we want to look at some things to help us to do, as the Apostle Paul says, to put away bitterness, Whenever we look back at what we talked about, just a brief re- uh, review from this morning, we talked about how that Paul tells us to be careful lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and by that many be defiled. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, "...to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kindly affection one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you." <clears throat> And then we looked at our points, that's our bitter person that we talked about or showed this morning and how that bitterness is the fruit of someone who's not living under the influence of God's grace. We talked about how that bitterness produces constant torments and harassments personally and relationally and how that bitterness contaminates others and brings harm to those that we're trying to encourage and edify and how that we're to look carefully and to put away bitterness from among us. And so hopefully this morning we educated ourselves a little bit about the effects of bitterness and what it is. And this afternoon we want to look at what Paul said about putting it away from us. You know, whenever you struggle with, with, with big life issues, they're, they're very difficult to address. And because they're so difficult to address, sometimes we just choose to live with them. Because change is hard especially whenever you have experienced difficulties in life that have produced bitterness and that bitterness has fomented over the course of months and years and it's something that it has taken a lot of time to develop and to set in. And so I want us to understand that whenever we address this issue, just like with any other issue, it's something that takes time, it's something that takes a lot of of faith, it takes a lot of effort. And whenever we look at what the Bible says about putting away, Paul doesn't say, this is how you put away bitterness. This is how you put away anger. He just says, do it. (laughs) Just put it away. And so it's kind of up for us to look at the Scriptures to see if we can put together a plan that can give us some focal points to help us address the bitterness that's in our life. And whenever we look at these, I understand that uh, you know we may look at it and think that it's an oversimplified uh, approach towards bitterness. And uh, like whenever my mom was sick and and she had cancer, and she was you know her last few days, we'd sit and we'd talk, and I'd tell her, "Now, mom, you got to do this. You got to do this." And she'd always say, "Well, son, that's easier said than done." And, and I know that if I was sitting where she was sitting, that I would have probably said the same thing. But here's my point. Everything's easier said than done. Everything's easier said than done. And so whenever you have a difficult problem and then people prescribe a, a, a solution for it, it might sound real simplified. Because you're thinking, I have a difficult problem, I have a complex problem, therefore, you know, the, uh, addressing this may be, you know, it, it, has to, it has to be something big and elaborate and it has to be something that is just some grand scheme and plan. But really, all it is is looking at where we are and how we got here and then just trying to go back the opposite way that we came. And the reason I point that out is is because whenever we look at bitterness, as Paul said this morning, it is associated with a falling or a failing in grace. And so since it's a failing in grace that brings about bitterness, then the focal point of our addressing the bitterness in our life is the grace of God. And so we're going to look at some verses this afternoon and try to put four steps to give us some focal points. And I've looked at, uh, you know, uh, other lessons and other approaches that people have taken towards how to address bitterness. And there's many different approaches out there. Uh, This is the one that in my study and in my prayer and thinking this would be what I would do, this would be what I I have done in addressing bitterness in my life. The first thing we want to notice is that we have to take a stand in grace. What do you mean by take a stand in grace? In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, the apostle says here, "...being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also." The word stand literally means to stand. <laughs> but as we look at the definition, it stand as opposed to falling. And so if I'm bitter, evidently as Paul said, I have failed, I have fallen, I'm not standing in grace anymore. In other words, the power and the influence of God's grace in my life has been overcome by the power and influence of other people and other events that have brought about bitterness in my life. So the first thing I've got to do is take my stand again. In God's grace, reacquaint myself with what God has done for me. My approach to bitterness is not to look at the other person. It's not to sit down with a psychiatrist and go back through and process all the difficult events that I've gone through in life, not to say that addressing those is not important, but for the Christian, the very first thing I've got to do is reacquaint myself with what God has done for me and what God continues to do for me because I have lost that focus. I have to take a stand and whenever Paul says take a stand he's meaning you take a stand in grace. That's your confidence, that's your hope, that's your persuasion in your salvation. But while we're also standing in that as the confidence of our salvation that grace then is to permeate our soul and create within us a heart of grace to be able to live according to the graciousness that God has shown to us. I became a much better husband <laughs> when I really fully understood what God's grace was all about. Not to say that I'm a great husband, but I became a better husband. <laughs> but to understand what God has done for me personally just changes changed my heart. In the way that I would look at my wife and, and, and look at situations to where whenever I was confronted with a situation or a circumstance that in the past I might have got angry about or I might have gotten bitter about, the very first thought that came to my mind or comes to my mind is what God has done for me. Have you ever done anything and based that action entirely on the basis of what God has done for me? That before you said that word, before you said, did that deed, you thought to yourself, what God has done for me. And whenever you stop to consider what God has done for you, it reshapes the mind and it reshapes the heart and puts that mind and heart in a condition to where it's going to be able to deal with the difficulties of life. Because whenever you look at this, not only does this grace cause us to rejoice in hope of the glory of God, which is future, Paul says here, but not only do we rejoice in future glory, but because we're standing in grace, we're able to glory in tribulation right now. In other words, that grace is not something that just gives me hope to look forward to, but it equips me to deal with the tribulations that I'm confronted with right now because that tribulation creates patience and that patience experience. And then that experience just confirms and makes stronger the hope that I have in the end. And so the first thing that we have to do to address bitterness in our life is not again to look at the people that have hurt us, to look at the situations and the circumstances and talk through them and process them and go through all of that. But just stop it just for a moment and just put all of that stuff aside and just think of what God has done for us. Now that sounds simple, doesn't it? But again... Sometimes by exercising ourselves in the simple things, it has a great effect in our life. Well, preacher, I know that Jesus died for me and I'm still bitter. Well, you may know it on an intellectual level, but do you know it in the depth of your soul? Do you know it in the heart of your very being? where when you react in action, in deed, in word, or emotionally, those actions, deeds, and words are formed and shaped by the power of God's grace in your heart. Everybody knows the fact that Jesus died for them. And we're not talking about that. But to stand in something means that I place my full and unconditional confidence in it. And the power of that confidence is so great that it's going to transform the way that I live my life. I'm not just stating an article of faith, Jesus died for my sins, but I'm speaking the power of life. Jesus died for my sins. And so all hell may assail me. It is well with my soul. And so whether it's all hell assailing you or it's an action or a deed that produces bitterness in your heart, If you're standing in and acquainted with God's grace, you can say, it is well with my soul. Well, how do we take that stand? Well, we take that stand by just immersing us, by studying, by learning, and trying to understand and grasp more and more the grace of God in our life. You know, the apostle said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 4 that they had fallen from grace. And then notice the effect of this in verse number 15. He said, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Because they had fallen from grace, their actions towards one another were bitter because they had become detached From grace. They had taken their confidence from salvation by the grace of God to salvation by law-keeping. And because of that, it affected the way that they related to each other. And evidently there was enmity and there was bitterness there because Paul had to warn them, be careful or you're going to consume one another. And so if a fall from grace produces that, if I don't want to do that, what do I need to do? I need to take a stand. In God's grace. I need to focus on what God has done for me. The next point that we want to look at is pursue peace. Pursue peace. Whenever we look at the scriptures, peace doesn't just happen. We live in a world where bad things happen. Where bad things happen all the time. And peace isn't just going to happen. Because people are going to say things that hurt us. People are going to do things that hurt us. Life is going to bring situations and circumstances to us that that we don't want. And so this world is naturally going to make us tormented people. And if we want to have peace, we have to make peace something that is intentional in our life. And I think that's the problem. So many want peace, but no one wants to pursue it intentionally. We want peace by everybody doing what I want to do and think the way that I think. Folks, that ain't going to happen. And if that's what you're waiting on and if that's what I'm waiting on for peace, I'll never be and you'll never be a peaceful person. Because that person that hurt me is probably going to hurt me again. I can't count on that person for peace. That bad thing that happened to me, you know what? Another bad thing, I can't count on life being the way I want life to be. And people being the way I want people to be. So if I'm going to have peace, if I have bitterness within me and I have torment personally and in my relationships, I'm going to have to pursue. And the word pursue there means to... Pursue after in order to overtake. And this is the word that's used in the Scriptures whenever you see the word persecution about Christians being persecuted, so and so, but Paul was persecuting the church. This is the word that's used. It's a word that's used in reference to people who were chasing after other people. In other words, they were intent in their pursuit in overtaking them. And that has to be our attitude towards peace. If you'll notice in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, in the prior verse before bitterness, he says, Pursue peace. Make that your objective. Make it intentional in your life. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11... Peter says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking guile, let him turn away from evil and do good, let him seek peace and pursue it. Pursue it. Seek it. Which says that it's not something that's going to come to you, it's something that you're going to have to go get. And so if we're that bitter person... That has withdrawn, and then we find ourselves isolated, waiting for it to happen, whatever it is, it's not going to. But we have to pursue peace. <clears throat> and how do we find peace? Well, first of all, we have to find peace with, with ourselves, we have to find peace with God. <laughs> then we have peace with ourself so that we can have peace with other people. And so when I'm standing in grace and I have peace with God, and that peace that I have with God is going to give peace to me, that regardless of what people say, do, or think to me, things that might in the past have embittered me, it will be well. It will be well. <clears throat> in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, meditate on these things and the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, sometimes, and maybe it's just me, I just kind of get the feeling that whenever we put this verse up on the screen, everybody just kind of rolls their eyes like, yeah, we've heard that before. But it's true. It's true. What does a bitter person generally spend their time thinking about? Do they generally spend their time thinking about things that are noble, that are pure, that are lovely? You see, bitterness, an embittered person is someone who struggles mentally with the conflicts that are in their life. Those conflicts consume them and not to delegitimize those conflicts. They can be very hurtful, and they can be very devastating. However, we must meditate on the things that produce peace. Think about the things that you think about, because the things that you think about, the things that I think about, are going to produce the effect in our life. (laughs) And whenever we stop and we consider the thinking of a bitter person, you know, again, in, in instances in my life where I've been bitter, you just go back and you just replay the scenarios over and over again. And you just, and, and boy, you just really tell people what you think because you, you try to find some satisfaction in, in, in replaying the scenarios over in your mind. And, but that's not the way we find peace. We find peace through meditating. And the word meditate means to fix the mind on, to fix the mind on. And again, the, the mind is something that we train. The mind has habits. We get into habits of thinking about things. We have mental habits. And that's why whenever we read this, we think, you know, well, you know, I've tried that. Well, you know, I, one day I tried to sit down and think about all those things, and it lasted for just, you know, two or three minutes. Well, it's because you're not in the habit of thinking those things. We have to understand that in a bitter person there are mental habits that have to be changed. And folks, you know and I know that changing habits are hard, aren't they? Changing habits are hard, especially changing mental habits. But we have to change our focus and change our focus from the embittering events and the embittering purse people that are in our lives and focus our attention on, on, on the grace of God and pursuing the things which make for peace. And not thinking about the thing that hurts you doesn't deny the reality of it. Not thinking about the thing that hurts you doesn't mean that it's not important and it's not real. But we don't have to validate it by thinking about it over and over and over again. Eventually something has to change and it has to change in our mind to where we decide, we intentionally decide, I'm going to pursue peace. So I want to put myself in a peaceful book, the Bible. I want to put myself among peaceful people, Christians. I want to put myself in situations where I can enjoy peace. And if I'm in a situation where it's a certain person that's causing me bitterness, I'm going to block that person on my phone, and I'm going to tune that person out of my life, not because I'm being mean, but because I want some peace. And we have to remove those stressors. And we have to remove those instances that cause us disruption in our pursuit of peace. So we need to stand in grace and we need to make peace purposeful in our life. Next thing, need to be kind to others. Be kind to others. You know, again, bitterness is a grace problem. And so whenever we look at overcoming bitterness, we stand in grace, we pursue peace, and now we focus on being gracious people. If you'll notice after Paul says up here to put away all of these things, the next thing that he says is, and do this. You know, whenever we're struggling with something in our life and we want to remove it from our life, something has got to take its place. If I want to remove something negative from my life, something positive has to take its place because if not, there's going to be a void in our life and you know what's going to come back? That that we just got rid of. And so we've got to fill that void. And again, when you spend your time and you spend a lot of your energy focusing on on, on bitterness and embittering events and people in your life that way, and you're trying to get those away, okay, I want to start thinking about things that make for peace then you have to involve yourself in things that will replace that void. And so Paul says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. The word kind that Paul uses means to be employed or be useful. See, bitterness is not useful, is it? We studied this morning that bitterness makes the people around us worse. So make the determination now that I'm going to be someone who is employed in something that is useful. That I'm going to actively do good, which is what beneficent means. I'm going to do good. But notice this statement, and I like this definition. That I'm going to do good in spite of ingratitude. Kindness isn't just doing good things for people when they thank you and whenever they pat you on the back. True kindness, the type of kindness that Jesus practiced, was a kindness that was carried out even though people were ungrateful. Even though people were spiteful. And that's why in the Scriptures, whenever Paul talks about the crucifixion of Jesus, he always makes the point about not just the fact that Christ died, but he makes the point about when He died, while we were yet sinners. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive. And so in other words, God's love for us and His kindness for us wasn't something motivated by our kindness and our goodness towards Him, but rather it was in something intrinsic to His nature. And that's the way kindness has to be with us, that we're standing in God's grace, and grace influences our lives so much that I'm going to do good whether anybody says thank you or attaboy or whatever. An active exercise of gracious living. You can't sit idly by and wait for bitterness to go away because it won't. You've got to busy yourself and I've got to involve myself in things that are useful and being employed for the good of other people. The word tender-hearted means well-compassioned and sympathetic. We talked about this morning how that sometimes in our bitterness we become very cynical. But Paul says, be tender-hearted. And then he says, forgiving I want you to notice this word forgiving. This isn't the word forgiving that you normally see associated with, with forgiveness in the Bible. This is a different word. This is the Greek word, and it has, rather than having its emphasis on the fact that forgiveness is a remittance of a debt, this word accentuates the characteristic of forgiveness, which is to be kind. As if to say, be kind one to another just as God in Christ was kind to you. Now, How was He kind to me? Well, He was kind to me in forgiving my sins. But what I want us to notice is that this word right here stresses the kind and gracious nature of God. As if to say, again... Be kind one to another just as God was kind to you. Be gracious to one another just as God is gracious to you. See the graciousness of God to you and act in kind to that. In Luke chapter 6 verse 35... This is the word that Jesus uses when he says, Love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind, notice, to the unthankful and the evil. He's kind to them. To the unthankful and to the evil. That's true biblical kindness, not kindness that's done, that's appreciated. Not kindness that's done uh, to be recognized at kindness, but it's kindness that's done from an intrinsic nature purely for the good of the other person, whether the other person cares for it or not. Because that's what Jesus did. He's kind to the unthankful and the evil. And that's you and me. And a lot of times we'll read that verse, yeah, he is kind to those kinds of people, aren't he? Yeah. Well, That's who we are. We were the unthankful. We were the evil, and He was kind to us, practicing graciousness. 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. You know, whenever you look at that list, that's a list that's closely associated to the list that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 4 when he talks about Bitterness. And he says to lay it aside and desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. But notice this next statement. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you really tasted? Not no. I've got a book that tells me he's gracious. But you've tasted it. You've experienced it. And because of that experience, you look at your life, and I look at my life, and I want to start getting rid of all this stuff. I want to start getting rid of all this stuff because I've experienced the graciousness of the Lord. And then lastly, Trust in the Lord's justice. You know, a lot of times with bitterness, we become bitter because we feel that there's been injustice. I've been treated unfairly. That person that was supposed to love me doesn't love me. That person that was supposed to care for me doesn't care for me. That person that was supposed to nurture me abused me. That person that was supposed to encourage me neglected me. And we look at that and we think, it's just not fair that I'm treated this way and it's not those things are wrong those things are unjust we've got to understand that again the world is not going to be the way that I want it to be people are not going to be the way that I want it to be want them to be and there's going to be things in this world that I'm going to look at that if I don't trust in the Lord's justice my mind is going to be consumed with and I'm not going to have peace and I'm going to remain in bitterness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. Peter says, This is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. And again, a lot of our bitterness comes from we think that we've suffered wrongly. But notice what Peter says. It's commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures Grief. You know what that word commendable means? There's that word again. Grace. Graciousness. It comes from this Greek word that Paul has been using over and over again. And so Peter's saying it's gracious. If a person, because of a conscience towards God, And again, have you ever done something just simply because of a conscience towards God? Everybody's given you every reason in the world to do the wrong thing and everybody would understand if you did the wrong thing. And in fact, they might even encourage you to do the wrong thing. (laughs) Thinking you have every right to do the wrong thing. But because of what God did, you don't do it. Peter says... That's graciousness. We have to practice graciousness. But how do we practice this graciousness? He says, For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently? This is commendable to God, for to you, for to <laughs> this you were called, because Christ also suffered us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps." who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, and when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. The word committed means he surrendered and he entrusted his situation to him who judges righteously. If anyone ever walked on the face of this earth that had a reason to be bitter, it was Jesus. He came to his own. His own received him not. He did no sin, and yet he was treated like a sinner. How much more unfair could that be? And all the while that he was carrying out the Father's will, all the while that he was doing what was good and what was bringing salvation to all of those people who were reviling him, they were scorning him, they were putting him to reproach, he calmly endured all the way to the cross to carry out the Father's will. Now he could have been carrying that cross, And as he walked down that road to the cross, and those people on the side, oh, you save yourself if you're the Son of God. You said you could raise yourself in three days. Let's see if... And they were reviling. He could have gone down that road carrying that cross saying, I will get you. You're going to regret this. He didn't threaten. He just simply walked and did the Father's will. And that's an illustration for us that as we walk through life and people want to revile, people want to do things that embitter us, our focus has to be on the gracious mission that God has given to us. Who bore our sins in His own body, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. We're saved today because Jesus endured the embittering events of his life without sin. Romans 12, pay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Don't avenge yourselves. The word avenge means vindicate. And again, a lot of times in our bitterness, we want people to get theirs when we feel that we've been mistreated. And the truth is, probably most of them, if not all of them, aren't going to get theirs in this life. And instead of desiring for them to get theirs, a gracious heart is going to desire for them to repent. To repent. And so in light of the embittering events that take place in our life, We want to live in such a way, in such a gracious way that we have an influence to bring people to Christ. He goes on to say, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. And that's what happens in bitterness. We become poisoned. We become overcome by evil. But Paul says to overcome evil... With good. Trust in the Lord's justice. You know, we see a lot of injustice in this world. Our world cries out for justice. And I think that desire for justice is something that is created within us because we're in the image of God. And we're not going to have justice in this world. There's going to be people that do bad things that aren't punished in this world. There's going to be people that do bad things to us that aren't accounted for in this world. And if we dwell on those things, it'll just create bitterness within us. What we have to do is just, the Lord's got that. The Lord's got that. I want to focus on standing in His grace. I want to focus in pursuing peace. I want to focus on being kind to other people. And I'm going to let the Lord deal with that. So whenever we look at at putting away bitterness... Again, stand in grace. And, you know, you, you might sit there and think, well, I, I believe that Jesus died for me. But, but we have to believe in such a way that it recreates our heart and influences us and changes our nature to be the type of people that could live in an evil world like this and still maintain peace and a godly influence. Be kind to other people. You know, a lot of times with, with bitterness, we put an, uh, an inordinate focus upon ourselves and what people do for us. Well, then what we need to do is put focus on other people, on serving other people. Be kind and gracious to other people. Does that mean that all the mean people are going to go away? No, all the mean people are still probably going to be around. But now that I'm involving myself in something that's positive, now that I'm involving myself in something that's God-honoring... Those mean people aren't going to have the influence that they used to have. Pursue peace. Be intentional. Peace is not going to come to you. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. The world is always going to have mean people. Bad things are always going to happen. And so we have to pursue peace by pursuing the God of all peace, by putting our mind on things that make for peace. And then lastly, we need to trust in the Lord's judgment. That person that hurt me, that person that abused me, that person that neglected me, that person that reviles me, that person that ridicules me, that's not my responsibility to see that they get theirs. My responsibility is to live in a way that hopefully that person will repent. But even if that person doesn't repent... I can still find peace in my soul in knowing the Lord's got this. The Lord's got this. If you're here this afternoon and you're, you're struggling with bitterness, and again, you may look at that list and say, well, you know, that's, that makes for good preaching, but I just don't <laughs> know, you know. Whenever we look at these steps, hopefully you've seen that, they're grounded in truth. We've had our scriptures up here. Everything that we've spoken about, we speak not on the basis of my experience and say, hey, I think this is what will work, but by looking at what the Bible has to say. <clears throat> and again, whenever the Lord calls us to do things, you know, they may be simple, but with God's power, they can do great things. They can do great things. What it involves is a, is a choice of our will and the commitment from our heart to do them, and to do them faithfully. And if we can't do them by ourselves, get people to help us do them. Get people to help us do them. You know, if I don't really understand fully God's grace, just teach me about it. Help me to understand it better. Show me ways where I can be helpful to other people. Help me to pursue peace. Point out to me and affirm to me again the justice of the Lord. And again, it's not something that will happen overnight because usually the bitterness that we have, it took years and years to foment, and so it may take months and years to get over. But with this thing, we do know. You can't live with it. You can't live with it. You and the ones that you love will suffer. So if you're in that situation or you know someone that's in that situation, commit at this time to overcome and to put this away.